Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Friday, October the 26th. This week, a new clinical series on cardiac arrhythmias. To find out more, I spoke to the guru behind the series. My name is Andrew Grace and I work at um, the University of Cambridge and at Papworth Hospital. Professor Grace, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're very much the person behind this new clinical series that Lancet is publishing on cardiac arrhythmias. Before we go into some of the details, can we begin with some definitions? Can you just define the range of uh, arrhythmias that we're talking about here? And just briefly for context, tell us uh, how our progress has developed, particularly in the past couple of decades. I think in the context of progress, I would make three main categorical definitions. There are a group of patients um, with what we call supraventricular tachycardias that would include AV node reentrant tachycardia, for example, arrhythmias associated with the Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, and many atrial tachycardias where we can fix them now with radiofrequency ablation, and it provides really curative treatment. The second area is that of atrial fibrillation, where there are many developments going on. Again, we've made significant inroads, I would say, in terms of the ablation, certainly of paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, but there is need for substantial other advances, for example, in drug therapy. And then the third area is that of sudden cardiac death and ventricular fibrillation, and that is an area whereby there are some significant uncertainties, I would say, say still, in terms of particularly risk stratification, that is working out which particular individuals are at risk of ventricular fibrillation. Thank you very much, and we'll be going into some of those points in more detail in a moment. Just looking at the first paper, which you're one of the authors of, and I think there's a very interesting point in there, which from my non-expert standpoint, seems to imply that from a technological point of view, we've made some real strides, particularly in the past decade or two, but actually our our root, our basic science, our, our biological mechanism understanding is lagging behind and needs to catch up with technology. Can you expand on that? I think there's just a general point in the context of cardiology that the cardiologists were given lots of tools, mostly starting in the 1960s and 70s, that they went on to really apply for patient benefit and because they were tied up with that they didn't spend as much time advancing biology Um, cardiology has made substantial advances but cardiologists have been tied up quite recently applying and refining technological approaches i think now if we're going to move forward to the next level we need to understand the underlying biology um, for example in the context of atrial fibrillation to develop new drugs which we most certainly do need then we will need to know more about the biology. Similarly, for risk assessment of those potentially at risk of ventricular fibrillation, again, biology is going to be the way forward. It's not going to be achieved in big strides through the application of technology, in my view. Paper 2 looks very much specifically at this area that's been hugely important in the uh, management of arrhythmias uh, recently, and that is, as you've already mentioned, catheter ablation. Can you just summarise for non-experts like myself, exactly how this technique works and the contribution it's making for, for the management of some cardiac arrhythmias. Catheter ablation, to my mind, at a simple level when discussing with patients, is quarter at a distance, essentially. You're destroying tissue, usually by applying heat, although one can freeze tissue as well, in order to get rid of arrhythmogenic foci. That's areas where the arrhythmia arises from. It's been applied most commonly and over a 30-year period 
period to the modulation of rapid rates. For example, atrial fibrillation coming rapidly from the atrius of the ventricles. One can simply destroy the junction or to remove extra pathways in the heart as occur again in the Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. The application to atrial fibrillation has been more recent. Again, it's the same principle of um, the modulation of the cardiac impulse by destroying localized areas of cardiac tissue by heating or freezing catheters. And the problem with atrial fibrillation is, again, understanding the biology more so we know where to put the burns. I would say, in, and the point that is made in that paper, is with paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, we've made such strides that it is a thoroughly appropriate intervention in many patients. With persistent atrial fibrillation, we still have to make some further advances. Just to clarify, paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, you're meaning? In terms of categories of atrial fibrillation, from the point of view of catheter ablation, I would make form two categories. One is paroxysmal, when the arrhythmia self-terminates, that is the patient will go from fibrillation back into a normal rhythm spontaneously of themselves. Persistent is when it's there all the time, and unless the doctor does something quite radical, such as electrical cardioversion or the application of strong drugs, then the patient will remain in persistent atrial fibrillation. Paper three is a trio of papers, we should say, is looking specifically at ventricular arrhythmias and also sudden cardiac death. Can you give some main highlights from, from this third review? They highlight um, in their paper from the Brigham in, in Boston and Bill Stevenson, the senior author on that paper, the key issues in the area of ventricular arrhythmia management. Essentially, there are those that are applied in cardiology in general, that is symptom containment. And then the very much highlighted, I would say, in the context of ventricular arrhythmias, the problem of risk manifest in that context as sudden cardiac death. The point they strongly make is that if a patient is perceived as being at risk, then the individual may well receive what's called an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. This is a device that will not protect the individual against an arrhythmia, but will protect them against the consequence of the arrhythmia. That is, if they see an arrhythmia, then the device will give a shock to the heart to correct the rhythm. To summarise, almost back where we started really, I mean, how would you summarise where we are at this point? I mean, certainly there seem to be an awful lot of strides made in the past decade or two, but also there are still gaps. Drug therapy is still unanswered question marks in, in certain areas. Where are we now and where are we going? I think the key point is that we've made massive advances and no one would really anticipate where we've got to and the current landscape in arrhythmia management would be unrecognizable to practitioners from 20 years ago. So we've made massive strides, but there is room and gaps in what um, we have available. Um, drug treatment, as has been mentioned, is remains an issue. The drugs are variably effective, many side effects, and the big gaps, I would say. I think just in terms of just risk factors and as to why patients develop arrhythmias, we need to know more about that. I think certainly in the context of atrial fibrillation, my own belief is much of that is due to metabolic factors. With the increase in obesity issue in the population, that I think is going to be some something of a problem. At the technical level, that is the more um, advanced in terms of referral um, pathway level, then better ablation technologies with better mapping, better ablation catheters is going to be required. And in the context of sudden cardiac death, we need to work out more effectively how to risk stratify patients. That's to work out the ones at risk and in a 
addition, we need better devices, that is, um, implantable mechanisms to correct rhythms should they occur. Thank you very much for that extremely uh, comprehensive summary. It's a great series, our latest clinical series on cardiac uh, arrhythmias. That's Professor Andrew Grace on the line from University of Cambridge and Papworth Hospital. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Richard, thank you. Many thanks to Andrew Grace, and do look out for other related content in this week's issue, notably a short editorial, a comment, correspondence pages, and a profile in the perspective section on, you guessed it, Professor Andrew Grace. Thanks for listening. See you next time.